Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer joining you from Rogers Place. It's Connor versus Connor tonight. McDavid versus Bedard. This is Oilers Now, where guests receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night of the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. You can tell Chris and Chef Altaf that Oilers Now sent you. As we head off, uh, Roos Chris, by the way, is open Tuesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until close. 4 o'clock on Oilers game days. It's a great place for a Christmas party. Roos Chris Steakhouse. We head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline. Welcome back former NHL player, GM, and agent Brian Lawton for Wow Factor Desserts. Sweeten your holidays with delectable delights, including the buttered rum caramel eggnog cheesecake and candy cane mousse. And you know it is December. Calorie-free desserts at wildfactordesserts.com. No, I just made that up. But anyhow, you get it. It's awesome stuff. All right, let's bring aboard Brian Lawton. Brian, how are you? Doing great, Bob. How are you? I am enjoying those calorie-free desserts, by the way. Yeah. Even down here in the U.S. Well, you, you he sent it down. Colin Colin Ruddle took the time to ship uh, some of Wild Factor's desserts product out of you, right? He absolutely did, and I can't tell you how amazing it is. So uh, not only have I enjoyed it, but everybody in our company has enjoyed it, and we thank Colin because he's been very gracious. So so let's get – so now when you work out every day, and you do work out every day, can, can you handle the desserts better than, you know, if your definition of a workout is – uh, walking downstairs, uh, you know, grabbing a Bailey's and coffee in the morning or a beer out of the fridge, opening that fridge, closing. I, I'm doing the Johnny LaRue workout from SCTV with John Candy back in the day. It was called the Johnny LaRue workout where he'd, all right, open that fridge door, close it, open that fridge door again, close it. That's the way. Get that rep in there. But with all seriousness, like, you're in such good shape, you could probably hammer away on the desserts, can't you? Uh, I'm okay. I mean, you're never as good as you want to be. Let's just put it that way. I work hard at it, and this is important to me. <laughs> just what can you say? But the desserts, I love them, and it is my weakness. So yeah. I really should start to donate anything that Colin sends down. Oh, like, no, uh, no, I, no, no. We got I, we, we can do it up for that as is, Brian. You know that. All right. <laughs> uh, hey, I got to ask you this. So when you came in the NHL, with the Minnesota North Stars back in the day after being a number one. I remember seeing Eric Lindros when he was 18. It was the 1991 Canada Cup in Saskatoon. I was probably about 100 and uh, maybe, let's see, 91, I would have been. I was probably 192, 193 pounds. I was in pretty good shape. I was working up north at the time, uh, tanned and everything. And Lindros looked like a machine, and he was 18. Like, he was he was just an absolute behemoth. He was big. He was ripped at 18, which... Mo- and we're talking the early 90s. Not every guy was in great shape coming into the Canada Cup back then. When you went to camp that first year in 83, did anybody... You're like, oh, man, I'm going to have to up my game, or was that already part of your game, being in pretty good condition? Uh, Being in good condition was great, but a little bit light when I was 18. I was no Eric Lindros, to say the least. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I think Eric might have had a late birthday as well. Yes. His draft year. And uh, no, that's not the case. I'm actually just looking it up. He did not have a late birthday. He was born in February. Really? But he was a beast. He was a beast. A beast of a man. And uh, you just, you couldn't miss that about Eric. It's... Even today, we don't necessarily uh, 
key guys at the top of the draft that are that developed. It's not about being that tall or having the frame even. It's just he was so developed as an 18-year-old. It was really, really unique. He he was all of 225 pounds. We drafted Victor Hedman as a second pick overall that was six foot five and about 218 pounds. Okay. Now he's about 240. Yeah. So you, you knew he was going to get there, but he wasn't there. And you could tell that, Hey, there's still some development to go here. Now he was, he did have a late birthday. So he did have that extra time to grow and mature. And it really matters. There's been lots of guys over the years, Madano, Ovechkin, guys that were great players, but all that were maybe a a little bit past in their birth year, September 15th. Yeah, it's a big deal. Well, you know what? Ah, I can't do it yet. I'm going to – I'll reference it later on. I, I can't give it away. But uh, we're going to do Oilers game day trivia today for Pro-Am Sports. We'll talk about a kid that's a late birthday coming up. So, all right. Uh, we've got Connor, Connor versus Connor. And in McDavid's case, you know, he was so slight when he came into the NHL in the upper body, but – you know, he he had that unbelievable core strength already, that electrifying speed. Connor Bedard has got a thicker build. He's built by, and I've referenced Marcel Dion in the past, and it is not an insult. Marcel Dion is a top 10 scorer all time. He was a hell of a player, but a thicker guy with an unbelievable shot. I don't know if he could, you know, quite change his release point. It's going to be an interesting matchup tonight, Brian, isn't it? McDavid versus Connor Bedard. Yeah, no, it's going to be great. And these really matter for Connor McDavid. Does it matter for him? Yeah, a little bit in the sense that he wants Connor Bedard to see what he's all about up close and personal. But it really matters to Connor Bedard. It's a big deal. And we've seen him. He played against Sidney Crosby early on this year. And uh, those are special moments for you when you look back. So I think it's a big deal. I think he wants to show well, Connor Bedard, that is. And then Connor McDavid, he just wants to keep the good times rolling because this is not normal for me, Bob, on this program. I've been coming on and apologizing for the Edmonton Oilers over the last several weeks, but not anymore. And it's great to see, and I hope for all the fans that were out there listening, uh, they accepted me coming on and saying, you know what, this team is pretty darn good just because they're having a bad stretch doesn't mean that they don't have what it takes to make the playoffs and go on and make a run. The challenging thing I will tell you now, Bob, for the Edmonton Oilers when they are playing so well is to not get fooled by what did happen when things were just a little bit off. And that will come into play eventually as they shape this team out to where they hope that it can be a Stanley Cup contender, a Stanley Cup finalist, and hopefully a Stanley Cup winner. Brian, you were one of the progressives when it came to analytics in terms of hockey management types, and I know that the Oilers expected goal share, uh, expected goals for percentage through the first 13 games indicated that the team was not a 28th overall offense. We knew that that was going to change, and it has changed. And they're they're now, you know, they come into this game sixth in the league. And I think, you know, I said about uh, before this homestand started, I could see the Oilers going from 13th to sixth in six games. Well, they've gone from 13th to sixth in in three games. Uh, so we knew the offense was there, and the power play was going to be better than. Uh, I think the the power play might have actually, you know, only been like 24th or 25th at the time that the the coaching change that was made. So that was to be expected, and I think everybody kind of felt that way. 
has the team defense. They've only given up, you know, uh, well, let's do the math here. They shut out Washington. They gave up two against Anaheim. They gave up four against uh, Vegas. So now we're up to six. They gave up one against Winnipeg. That gets them to seven. Three against Minnesota gets them to 10. And one against New Jersey gets them 11. They've given up 11 goals against during the seven-game winning streak. Uh, and they're 28 for 29 of the PK over the last eight games. Do those numbers surprise you a bit for Edmonton? Yes, I think that that uh, as tough a time as they were having is as good a time as they're having now on the other side of it. And that's that's going to happen. Essentially, when Edmonton was going through this streak, it's kind of embarrassing to come on and say, you know what, I really believe in this team and I really like them. But I went back, double-checked what I do for analytics, went to three of my favorite top people in the National Hockey League and literally said, Am I missing something here? I just want to double check. Not one of those people had this team outside the top five. I had it higher than that before the season, but I still don't have it. And this is being completely transparent where I feel great like they're going to win the cup. I just think there's still adjustments that oh, oh, yeah. there's needs to make and is going to make. So you talk to th- three of the guys that are in those kind of roles around the league, and they they all had the yeah. Oilers as a, as a top eight team in the league? Every one of them had him as a top five. Even during the three nine and one starts of the season. No, everything was predicated on pre-start oh, of the season. Better, it's preseason. And did they feel out yep. way? Did they feel out way after? Did you talk to them when they were three nine and one? I did. Every single one of those guys had complete confidence that they will be in the playoffs, and that was hard to say a few weeks ago. Right. Yeah. Oh, it's... No. If you believe in it and you understand regression to the mean, small sample size, these are not easy things for GMs to feel good about because you feel like your life is evaporating right in front of you when you're when you got your hand on the till. It's just the way it is. So it's not easy to go through. They weathered that storm. They're off and running now. They're probably going to have another couple of bumps in the road. It's just a matter of really taking to heart what went on during this time and saying, okay, we got exposed in some areas for a few different reasons. How do we shore that up? That can't happen at the wrong time of the year or the season will be lost. Wow. So I think it's been a great, I think it's been a great experience for them. I think they've learned a ton about their team and I think they're going to be better for it uh, down the road. You know, Brian, you'd me have, you know, you've been coming on our shows in various capacities dating all the way back to when you were the GM of Tampa. And, uh, you know, I saw Jerry Johansson today and uh, he had Andre Mezaros. And I, we all know how that went down. And, um, and I, you know, one of the things we discussed was that there was a style of play that the university team in town deployed, the U of A Golden Bears, zone defense, middle zone breakout on transition, good teams break the puck up the middle of the ice, and very aggressive forechuck. Guess what you're watching on a nightly basis with Chris Knobloch, whose mentor um, was Rob Dom, who's over in Austria right now and has had two stints in the Austrian league where he's basically lasted six years twice with two different clubs, which is, as you know, an eternity in Europe where they've sacked coaches every two years. Um but, you know, a very offensive, uh, proactive approach. And player. It, it's kind of like when you talk to offensive linemen in football. They'd way rather run the football 
than have to go in a pass pro. Because when an offensive lineman get a run the ball, that means they're going at the defense and they're rearing their, you know, tails back and they're driving right through them, right? Whereas when they're in pass pro, they got those guys coming off the edge and attacking. And I just, I've seen this before, Brian. I got to tell you, I've seen a bit of this stylistically speaking. And uh, it's... The other thing is, there's a base you can get back to, and that's important. So when you do have those blips, they have a base with the structure and the process that they play with. That's right. That's right. There has been, you know, Chris really does deserve a lot of credit. I've always thought Jay was a good coach. Um, I thought Dave Tippett was a good coach. I know Todd McClellan's a good coach as well. Um, But there's something in the water up there, Bob. When it goes south... I've seen some really good, smart hockey people make decisions that I think they would probably make differently after going through that scenario there. There's just no doubt that Edmonton it does not get the credit that it deserves in terms of it's a bit of a pressure cooker. Oh, of course. People don't, they don't associate that with Edmonton, though. They just don't, not like Toronto. But the fact of the matter is, that uh, it is just as challenging there when times aren't going well as it is in Toronto. It's just the way it is. People care there. So they pay attention and they understand it. Well, and you know that just from people reaching out to you on Twitter and that sort of thing through the show. Brian Lawton joining us for Wow Factor Desserts. Brian, I'll uh, I'll take it one step further. When Todd struggled, the Oilers lacked depth and he had to run with David and Drysettle a lot. When Dave Tippett struggled, the Oilers lacked depth up front, and he had to run McDavid and Settle a lot. When Jay Woodcroft struggled earlier this, going into games five and six against Vegas, uh, he ran McDavid and Settle a lot, and again at the start of this year. And one of the things that at least, now Jay did this too, he took over and he, he got the Derek Ryans of the world involved, and Knobloch has basically played four lines. Warren Fogle said to us, like, we're sitting there playing Seattle. We're down, uh, you know, in the game with eight minutes left in the game, and he's got his fourth line on the ice instead of double-shifting Leon and Connor. And I wonder if, the, you know, and you take a look at the penalty kill, and he's kept McDavid and Dreisaitl basically right off the penalty kill with the exception of D-zone D draws for Leon in the last 15 seconds. Is there a lesson in that? The changes occur... Usually it's goaltending, lack of structure and process in the game, and lack of scoring. But also the other thing that happens is they go to a whip with McDavid and Dreisaitl. No, there's a total lesson in that, Bob. And it's not necessarily what people think right away is, oh, my gosh, we can't wear our top guys out. That's not what I've always thought as a former player. In my mind, the lesson is that you involve your whole team and you reach a higher level. And when you start going to the whip, as you're referring to using the top players immensely all the time, you lose players, particularly early in games. I've had this discussion with Jacques Lemaire, who is famous for basically using all of his lineup every night as much as possible. Uh, It's easy to do when you have great players like McDavid and Dreisaitl. It's even harder to convince them that if you guys play a few minutes less, I think we can reach a higher level as a team. And I only say that because it's not intuitive to them either because they're the best players and they're the best players by a lot. But running them every night in the last eight minutes of a game does not show a lot of confidence in the rest of your group and it hurts your overall performance. I don't care what anybody says. 
I've seen it too many times, even in the National Hockey League. Brian, great stuff. Thanks a lot for joining us here on Oilers Now. Appreciate you having me on, Bob. Thank you. Former NHL player, GM, and agent Brian Lott brought to you by Wow Factor Desserts. Sweeten your holidays with delectable delights, including the buttered rum, caramel eggnog cheesecake, and candy cane mousse. Visit all the delights at wowfactordesserts.com. When we come back, I'll get to some of your texts on the Ashley Fine Floors text line and the Oilers game day trivia for Pro-Am Sports. It's 551 in Edmonton. You're listening to Oilers Now. Leon Dreisaitl and the Edmonton Oilers. The Oilers technically 7th in goals, 4th on the power play, 3rd shots, 5th shots against, 11th on the faceoffs. They're still 28th in save percentage, uh, but they're up to 17th on the PK and up to 23rd in goals against. Chicago, check out these numbers. 31st in goals for, 28th in goals against, 29th in the power play, 21st in the PK, 30th in shots for, 28th in shots against, 30th in faceoffs, and 22nd in save percentage. Those are some ugly numbers. You can text us at 780-496-0063. Ashley Feinflores text line. Farmer Ed says, Bob, this will be a great matchup down the road. But with Chicago's current team and the way the Oilers are playing recently, this should be a no-brainer. If the Oilers lose, it's because of brain farts. That one comes to us from Farmer Ed. All right. Uh, let's bring aboard Brendan Escott. What do you think, Escott? I mean, hey, Peter Moraza can stand in his head and steal this game tonight. Can he for Chicago? I've seen Lucas Dostal come in here and throw a brick wall up in front of the net, so I won't rule anything out. But the way that we've seen Edmonton pounce on good teams this year with a strong forecheck, even before you start talking about the superstar power, I think Chicago's defense and uh, sort of the house of cards that it is right now is going to have a hard time tonight. Yeah, it'll be interesting. They got Radish and Kachuk and two number ones, one of which has been Oliver Moore. For Brandon Hagel, the other number one is uh, Tampa's. They got this year's draft. In the Debrinket trade, they got uh, the seventh overall pick. That was Korchinski. They got a second rounder uh, named Paul Ludwinski. And then the Kirby Dock trade, which I still will never understand. They got a middle of the first round pick, which turned out to be Frank Nazer, like 13th overall. Well, we'll see whether or not Kyle Davidson is right down the road. It is time to play Oilers Game Day Trivia for Pro-Am Sports. Fan Cave and Fan Gear Specialists for all budgets. All correct answers are entered to win to win a signed or entered to win a signed Evander Kane jersey. Check out ProAmSports.ca or visit 12728 St. Albert Trail in Edmonton. You'll have to know something about the Western League because he was just in Edmonton. Connor Bedard's cousin is a consensus top five pick in the 2026 NHL draft. He's a late birthday. He's in his first full season in Medicine Hat, better than a point per game. He's got two more years of junior before he gets drafted. Who is Connor Bedard's cousin that is starring for the Medicine Hat Tigers and a consensus top five pick in the 2026 NHL draft. He is a late birthday. Texas on the Ashley Five Floors text line 780-496-0063. You can join New West Travel this June for a 14-day Globus tour. 
through the beautiful countryside of Newfoundland. It features the Iceberg Festival, your New West Travel, New, uh, Newfoundland Pack. That's a tough uh, combo. Your New West Travel Newfoundland Package includes flights, hotel, meals, and guided local tours to see Iceberg Alley, whale watching, lighthouses along the coastal cliffs, plus meet the locals for a screeching. Save $400 when you book by December the 30th. Reach out to newwesttravel.com. Buy to buy. Make it happen for yourself. All right. Uh, we'll give you the game day trivia answer when we come back, and we'll have an update from the farm, our farm report for Wave Bathroom Renovations with Keith Gretzky after a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn.